My name is Matt Tanner, and this is Franchisees United. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode eight of the Franchisees United podcast. This is your host, Matt Tanner. Today, we have our first ever guest that is both a franchisor and a franchisee. Welcome to the show, J.D. Weissfitz. How you Thank doing, J.D.? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. We appreciate you making the trip. I know you're in Orlando. Right. Um, so I appreciate you definitely driving down today. And we're very excited to have you on the show because I think there's just so much value to hear from somebody that's involved in franchising on the franchisee side as well as the franchisor side. So I guess let's get started. Tell the audience a little bit about who you are, how you got started in franchising, and what led to where you're at today as far as becoming you know, becoming a franchisor, essentially. Sure. I can go into detail and spend an hour with you guys on that. But <laughs> to sum it up, the main word I'm going to keep going back to is relationship. So how I got in franchising was my father immigrated from South America and worked uh, in the textile industry, eventually was able to go on his own. And one of the big industries back then that was doing pretty good was the automotive repair. So he got into that franchise, relocated to Miami with a muffler shop. Um, and then, so I was exposed to that at a very young age. And I was a kid at seven years old going out and making sure that the boxes didn't have a muffler in the trash because that's wow. the way they used to steal. I mean, yeah. Um, and my dad always said, you know, don't get in the business, get a career, you know, attorney, doctor, do one of those things. Uh-huh. And, uh, I want to become an architect, but I failed uh, calculus. So that <laughs> said, Dad, I, I got to go into business. He said, all right. So I so at the time, business was evolving to more of a, there was more technology. Um, and that's something he wasn't comfortable with. So he was on the way out. And um, I ended up buying him out of the automotive franchise. And then what I found I was good at was taking situations or businesses that were failing or asset sales and turning them around and then flipping them. So we started doing that. Um, and along the way, I just met people um, and made friends within the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a small business owner, you're kind of on an island. Mm-hmm. There's, you can't relate to people that have normal jobs because your lifestyle is, I mean, it's all just way place. different. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I did that for about, gosh, 15 years and told myself I'm going to retire from franchise. I was burned out. Yeah. Especially automotive. Everybody's pissed. So and what age was that when you were got like 15 at, years in? At this point, I was reti- I was going to leave it at 30 I was 34 years old okay. at the time. Yeah. yeah, so I started young. Um and because of the relationships that I had established, I said, "You know, you're good at franchise sales, why don't you join us?" So I went from franchisee to friend to working for that same company, a corporate. Okay. Did franchise sales. Yep. And through that I met a ton more people. Right. So I was on the corporate side and I realized, man, corporate culture, it's kind of toxic. It's, you know, I wasn't used to working. So you did it the reverse because a lot of people will start with, we had one of our guests started with corporate, Mm -hmm. you know, made money, learned about the brand and then transitioned into the franchisee role. So you kind of had the reverse. You started young early at, you know, you started at a young age, worked your, started your own franchises or bought into your dad's and then you were able to transition into corporate down the road. Yeah. So I switched that because I wanted a set schedule. I just wanted to clock out at five and yeah. not worry about because, you know, franchise ownership or any business ownership, you're 24 seven. Yeah. Uh, and then at corporate, I realized, man, this is just not the for thing. me. So that's not always, wired that way, right? No, no, because I couldn't yeah. establish the culture. And that's where I learned the importance of culture. Mm-hmm. So that's that was a second big uh, learning experience for me is 
how important a culture is to the work environment. For sure. So that started to motivate me to get back into the business side of things. But I, yeah, I was patient, was kind of seeing what was going on. And then I switched to another company that had good culture until they were bought out. And then the culture went down again. And I said, all right, this is it. Every company <laughs> has a cycle. I, and then a friend of mine had left and he says, you know, you got, you got to check out this franchise in the food industry. I said, there's no way I'm going food. I mean, yeah. I just, no. And he got, he got really sick. And this is three years after he insisted. And I went to visit him at a hospital. He said, you got to go pick up, pick, pick up food for me from one of my stores. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I actually walked into this franchise, which was Tropical Smoothie at the uh-huh. time. And I said, this is pretty cool stuff. Yeah. So I, um, I waited, I waited until the opportunity came to buy another asset sale, but this uh-huh. time in food. Yeah. Not knowing anything about food. Did that and built that up. And that's when I realized, you know what? All these businesses are practically the same. It's all about just for sure. Or you know, working at the culture, you know, being a good leader and manager. The rest you can figure out. A hundred percent. And I've learned just in the people business at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like I grew up, I actually have a very similar background to you. I started at eight years old working for my dad. And it's funny that you mentioned that because my dad was at the point where he wasn't very technologically sound too. You know, his generation. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're selling pretzels like I was at 10, 12, 15 years old, or if you're selling smoothies, or if you're selling a service-based business, the real common denominator seems to be culture and people. Yeah. And really being able to be a leader and implement those things and making sure your business is successful because that's kind of like the intangibles that are just so important. I mean, obviously, the financials and the profit and loss statements and your sales and you know, all that stuff's so important, but, you know, culture and people is like the foundation of that, it really seems like. Yeah. So what do you really like about the Tropical Smoothie brand? It's, uh, first thing that comes to mind, it's a clean system. It's, um, I like the fact that it was all natural, like Mm -hmm. everything. There's no powder, anything really. And then uh, the culture. And I basically interviewed them in corporate culture, even though I know that, you know, corporate changes. Of course. There was a culture set in stone from the founder he still has his hands in it. Um, and the people that you can just, just across the board, I didn't meet anybody that I did not feel some sort of connection with that we were on the same page when it came to running businesses. For sure. Uh, and it's still this, the case this day and age. And thanks to that is how I established relationships that brought me to where I am now with the full service restaurant side of things. But uh, right. yeah, back to the point with our parents, it's that, and even back then, multi-unit, no, you can't operate that way. How can you trust anybody? They weren't hiring people better than them. Now you look for people that are yeah. better than you. You learn from. Yeah. So it is. It is a big difference. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. Then so we did tropical. We 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 opened up a couple stores. We we intended to open up many more in the Central Florida area. Mm-hmm. But um, ended up establishing a relationship with the founder of Tropical and a few of the other guys that have been around from the beginning. Yeah. And they were working on a new restaurant concept. Uh, for a few years now called uh, Island Wind Company mm-hmm. and uh, they basically took everything they wanted to do and put it in this one full service restaurant and the opportunity came to join them uh, as a franchisor now mm-hmm. and uh, and also be a real estate partner with them and help develop the corporate stores and the franchising and, uh, but, so that's kind of the short version yeah. of, of where we're at so you started early on in franchising you went yeah. back to corporate two corporate jobs 
then back to franchising, and now yeah. to the franchisor stage. And back to the franchisor, but in the point, the yeah. position where now I establish a culture. For sure. So there's nobody, yeah, and we're all on the same page with that. For so sure. So what, is, so what's, what is your, so how many partners do you have first of all in Island Wing? We're a total of five partners. Okay. Yeah. And what's your guys' collective vision for the brand? Like, what's the end goal? What are your, what's, what's the real vision for this brand? Yeah, so we're, we're growing on, uh, Corporate stores are important to us because we establish everything there, and then it'll grow to franchise locations from there. Right. We do have some franchise locations, but um, our focus, again, is corporate and corporate partner, where we maintain control. A lot of these large restaurants are corporate-owned, and that's why they're exactly the same along the way. Yeah. But um, our vision is, in 10 years, we expect to have 200 locations. Uh, Right now, we have eight open with seven in construction to be done by the end of the year, and then it just and how many are are uh, franchisee locations out of the eight? Out of the eight, uh, there's three franchise locations. Awesome. Uh, four, sorry, four, and then the other four are either corporate or corporate partner. Gotcha. Corporate partner stores where corporate's fifty one percent, and okay. partner's forty nine. It's more of an operating manager. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um. So tell me about. I, obviously, I, I was able to go to Island Moon with you in Orlando and. Mm-hmm. My favorite menu item was the that was it the buffalo or the baked cauliflower. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about you know I know your guys' uh, slogan I guess if you will is get baked. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that and some of the the menu items that you guys are super passionate and excited about. Yeah. So get baked and also we don't use the f word here. Yeah. There's no fryers on on site and these restaurants are that. nine thousand square feet. Uh, emphasis on patio and. Live entertainment. It's more about the an experience, the energy, and the atmosphere. Yeah, to yeah. separate us. And uh, but yeah, every, all ovens. It took years of perfecting what type of oven and For sure. how to make. So we have all baked items across the board. Of course, our number one seller are our chicken wings. Okay. Um, and we we have everything from you know tacos, fish, steak, ribs, uh, quesadillas. I mean, you name it, mm-hmm. and that. Menu's evolving, so we're constantly updating it with things that we feel fit into the island wing, you know, uh, kind of the feel and, and, sure. and what you're eating and the tropicalness of it. Yeah. Um, and then the bar is a bar. You know, we, we're like a family-friendly sports bar, per se. Right. Uh, the healthier option is one. For sure. Again, because it's baked. But the, the bars are big, um, and uh, we typically have, you know, 50 beers on tap, and we got... 50, 60 TVs. And you had some, some was it some frozen beverages too, right? We do have frozen beverage machines that we make. Yeah, so it's freshly made, and that's something we just put in, and those are a big hit. They're doing well? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I love those drinks. I used to, with my Philly cheesesteak restaurant, we would actually, I think I mentioned this to you, yeah. we would sell the frozen wine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. on the list. Get some frozen wine in there, yeah. trust me. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a huge hit. Especially yeah. if you guys are mainly, in, are you mainly in college towns? No, actually, okay. uh, it kind of followed the same path as Tropical, where it finally started in Destin, Mobile, actually Auburn, uh-huh. in that area, there's a few, and then Tallahassee is where the first franchise location was, similar to Tropical, and then kind of, you know, following the same path, but, um, uh, you know, come to think of it, college towns are a great place to start with these brands. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. For sure. And, you know, to me, like I started my first three QSR and restaurant brands in a college town and it's definitely more of a pro than a con, but obviously there is seasonality. Yeah. Um, You know, if all the students are gone, 
they're home on break or the semester's over, you know, you have to you have to budget and plan accordingly yeah. to that stuff, right? So but uh yeah, so like so tell me a little bit about some of the differences, I mean, that you see on a day to day basis from being the franchisor versus the franchisee. What are the main the main differences or challenges of each? It's also um balance. It's uh franchisee side, it's really easy to get stuck working in it. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I'd catch myself, uh, my stress reliever is to do brainless activities and like I'll run and do the dishes, do the bank runs, you know. Right. But then you start realizing you're doing more and more of that because you're trying to, you know, you need that much. So I'm like, I'm spending a whole day doing admin stuff. Yeah. Finding balance with that. And then on the franchisor side, it's more um, big picture, big projects, but it's, it's not like a franchisee where, you know, this is your goal for sales for the end of the day. Franchise or it's long-term picture. Of course, yeah. And so you're balancing a lot. And it's it's like a, man, it's like a dance slash chess match. Yeah. I guess you could say. So you're kind of looking at things from two different perspectives. Uh, and I, I, I will say that I, being having been exposed to both sides really helped me. Mm-hmm. And one thing I encourage to my staff is is just being exposed to that, uh, keeping an open mind. Um, at a young age, my dad would go to business meetings and I was the one that I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. Right. Thanks to him, he let me go. And so I was listening, watch, mm-hmm. and it translated to, to what we have going on today, culture-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, man, I tell you, it's, it's just a balance. Every, you, you don't know what each day has in store. I mean, there's just right. no telling. So the important thing is, Make sure you schedule when you're gonna eat and sleep. <laughs> Everything else is just, just the, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you and I had it so good that we could we grew up in business because yeah. the thing that I've learned is not only can you learn from your parents or your family in business and what they do well, but as you know, you can probably learn on what they didn't do well and learn right. from that. And I learned a lot of things from my dad on you know he did a lot of things great that I learned from him, and then there was things that it wasn't his strengths. And I was able to learn from those mistakes that he made as well as some of the things that he did super well. And I think when you get that combination of being able to see both sides of it and grow up in it, it really gives you the ability to, to uh, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for, to really understand what to do in the future in business, being able, just having that ability to learn from both sides of it. So yeah, it's a, it's a good opportunity to grow up in business. It really is. Yeah, and you nailed it. It's that my father were complete opposites and I saw opportunity where he didn't. And that's why I got into the business. I'm like, man, you could do so much better. Right. But the best lessons, all, yeah, the best lessons I ever learned. And again, I preach all this to my employees constantly. Mm-hmm. I'm the culture guy. Yeah. Uh, I still don't know how to make food or nothing. But you don't or do? No, I don't. I have no I, idea. I'm the same way. I, and I don't even want to <laughs> learn. It's just, I go. I'm so bad at it. It's about, yeah, it's like, like I tell them, it's hard to find people that have your core values. Yeah. The rest of it, they can figure out and learn. If you can't figure out how to make a smoothie or food, then you got some issues. <laughs> so that's that part. It's a culture yeah. that's hard to. <laughs> but the uh, the best lessons in life come from learning from other people's mistakes mm-hmm. or things that how you don't want to do things. So corporate was my best lesson because that's where I learned how I don't want to operate a business, how I don't want to treat employees. Yeah, and it's still surprising that it's how things are out there. Mm-hmm. But then you know, come to realize in, in a lot of big corporations, people are just looking out for their own jobs. Yeah, for sure. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, 
So what what else? I guess uh, I know you. I know you. When I came down to your tropical smoothies in Orlando, it seemed like you and your wife are kind of a good team. Yeah. And you guys are in business together. What's that like? So that's actually what got me back. We met in corporate America. Yeah. So I'm great. That's one. Well, besides learning from how bad it is there, I'm grateful that I met her there. Yeah. But she, we each have our strengths and weaknesses, you know. And mm-hmm. the important thing as an owner is to acknowledge that and know them. And don't fake it. And, and, um, so her strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. So I was never the behind-the-scenes financial guy. I just mm-hmm. rely on somebody. So she's the numbers person. She's kind of black and white. Yeah. Um, and I was always the gray. And and so we we started, you know, we were both complaining, and then we both, you know, we could do this together. And that's how we got in the business together. So, all right, you're going to have this role. And it's important to clarify the roles because when they mesh together and you live together and you have kids, it could get a little tough. Yeah. So. And you guys were in business before you were seeing each other, right? No. We okay. were just working the jobs. So yeah. this was her first foray into business ownership. So I kind of warned her about it. And, you know, you don't really realize what you're doing until you're in it. And then when she's in it, she kept doing those like, oh, you're right. You're right about this. You're right about this. Yeah. Now I understand now. So she took care of... Uh, one at, or certain aspects of the trouble, and I did the other one. And um, another reason why we've evolved to where we're at today is that uh, within the family business, there was a lot of change and growth, and she took the initiative to focus more on that. And so I did more of the business side, and um, and then we kind of went our own ways a little bit in that aspect. Uh, and then that's when I really realized, man, I really do need her to keep growing Mm-hmm. especially in store count and then that's when we had to make the decision all right now that we're moving into this other big venture how do we balance how do we do that and that's when we decided to kind of work our way to that and her handle more of the contract stuff now and now i'm handling more of the operations and our team has been growing ever since but i will say the best way to describe working with um your significant other is uh, it's kind of like two circles mm-hmm. and then when you start, you got to find the right balance. If you go too much in and it's too much, and it's all work talk, yeah. then it, you know, it's it can be stressful. So we we're constantly working on the balance. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I, there's no way I'd be where I'm at now right. had it not been for that. Same with my father, him and my mother. She would handle the back end stuff, and he would handle operations. There's nobody could have done both. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know how people do it without a significant, or maybe they have a partner. But I yeah. think this day and age, most businesses have two people. Right. What I've seen. For sure. And I don't have a significant other, but my brother and I do a lot of, obviously, are involved in businesses together. And I think you nailed it when you talked about, you know, if one person has a strength in one area and the other person has a strength in a different area, it's important that those two people mutually understand what their strengths and weaknesses are and don't butt heads in each other's areas, right? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, you're bound to butt heads at some point. It's going to happen. It's yeah. going to happen, but you got to, then you have to set boundaries. Like right now, our new boundaries after nine o'clock, we don't talk shop. You 9 know, p.m.? 9 p.m. is yeah. the cut off. But Tyndale, we're just, because <laughs> it's work all day, kids come home, kids, 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 kids go to bed, back to work. But then right. we have a cut off. For sure. Yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, two years old and nine. So that's two boys. Two boys. Yeah. And I found a picture of, I was seven years old. Standing in a muffler shop with my dad, mm-hmm. so I took the same picture with my nine-year-old. Who's That's amazing. Yeah. Like, you know, this is the same, except this time there was food around. <laughs> you know, so I'm exposing them to to this because you know, 
college is important. You know, I think it sets uh, kind of sets a routine in place, and um, it's some it's structure. It's structure, yeah. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, like I, I want my kids to follow their dream and to do what whatever, they like. Yeah, whatever their strengths are. I think we're we're always trying to figure out what we're good at. Yeah. Um, I think Kobe said it best. It's like you find that one thing and you just zoom in on it. Yeah. And you acknowledge not being good at all this other stuff. Right. So similar, you kind of have to find it, but you can't find it without being ex- exposed to everything. And that's for sure. That's how I'm trying to raise them. I'm trying to remind myself, all right, like right now it's baseball season, then basketball, then football, like do yeah. it all. And, uh, and then study anything, read anything and yeah. any questions you have. And as much as you probably want them to, to grow up in business and take that route, yeah, you probably realize that if they don't want to do that, you want them to be happy and do what they want to do. Right. And then yeah. as a parent, now I get it. My dad always said, I'm setting this up for you. I want you guys to not have to worry. Uh, now we did go through a big downturn. I won't say, no, we did have failures. We did at one point, uh, the market crash, the real estate market, we mm-hmm. were heavily invested lost a ton there mm-hmm. we've had businesses fail and you, you you could have three successful ones that one will suck the other two oh my goodness so we've been to the point where i mean in my late 20s i had a, a massive failure where i kid you not i was selling random furniture just to support myself and pay bills yeah um so we've been through that and um and that's also a common theme up here is that a lot of failure. You gotta be open. You gotta. You know, failure happens. You just gotta work your way out of it. Yeah, you have to get through it. Yeah, yeah. That's a big one. So if it were to happen again, I'm ready for it. I'm not scared. You can't be scared of it. Yeah. You just gotta work through it. Um, a lot of people, they don't take. Well, actually, I'll tell you a good example. Sorry, I'm rambling. I got. No, I get. Yeah. So at corporate America, when I decided to go back and and, and be a business owner, I sat with. Most of the executives, I mean, top executives of, of this, you know, Fortune 500 company, and uh, you know, they each had a story where they had an opportunity to go on on their own, and they would describe these opportunities, and I'm like, man, I would have jumped up, mm-hmm. but they each said they were scared of leaving something steady for this, what they thought was a risk, and, and so I realized at that point that everybody's presented with opportunities yeah for sure along the way and um out of fear 95 percent of people i think don't do it mm-hmm. and i think there's also people that just don't realize it until way after the fact or just don't even see it yeah so that's another reason why i say it's just keep your eyes open you never know mm-hmm. for sure yeah so what do you do day to day for island wayne and, and uh what kind of you know what's your guys process as far as recruiting franchisees and and type of people that you're you know you're looking for yes yeah, so Highland Wing it's it's um we just opened a new store in Jacksonville so I've been up there quite a bit um supporting that but we're in the process of final we're perfecting the behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh with pro well you know with franchising it's all about processes and procedures and if you don't have those things buttoned up right. it's easy to you know there has to be a system to follow and the most successful franchisees follow a system. So mm-hmm. we're buttoning up that system down to the, the exact music, the volume, the everything, the whole package. So we're, we're, we're about, I would say, eight months away from having a formal system that we can actually just market. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the, the, the franchisee growth we've had has just been people walking into a restaurant. That's awesome. And saying, hey, I want one of these. That's good to hear, though. Yeah, so those are our leads now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so behind us, for me, it's like we're, you know, it's a lot of hats. So it's 
helping make sure that we got the right uh, point of sale system, um, working on the right vendors for this, the right equipment package for that, aligning all the details. What type of POS do you guys use? Right now we use Brinks. Okay. Yeah, so we just installed a beer board to monitor um, the beer systems. And mm -hmm. uh, the other part that my family is now involved in, my wife's family, they're in the construction businesses building these stores. So I'm all, now I'm, I have a construction hat on. I'm learning about yeah. kind of bolts and drywall, level four, like all that stuff. Right. Um, so let's see, day to day. Ooh, there's a lot going on day to day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say, gosh, well, right now, a lot of it's real estate search. So we're, since we're growth mm -hmm. mode corporately, yep. I'm heading up the real estate department with an in-house broker. Mm -hmm. So we just did a tour of uh, our two target markets this year, Jacksonville, Orlando, or, and Tampa as well, sorry, three uh -huh. for corporate stores. So I was in Jacksonville two days ago looking for sites. We have Tampa next week and Orlando I live there, so I'm just... Right. Driving around. But right now, it's more of a real estate mindset for me. Yeah. I've got my brother-in-law involved to help on the construction side. And how key do you feel, how important do you feel that location is? Because, you know, we've seen over the years, I mean, you can have the best brand in the world, but if it's not a good location, forget it. Yeah. Especially in the food industry. And nowadays, it's so important about convenience. Um, so what do you guys look for out of sites and, and how important do you feel it is to find the perfect location? Man, we have we have examples of how important sites are where yeah. our jack we mean a, a sites are standalone, I mean on the main drag by a light we have you know, easy access is crucial and it's worth the money. hundred percent. I mean night and day we have a store we open that's prime prime spot. And it costs a little more than the store that was a little bit hidden, mm -hmm. but I mean, the sales volume is double. And so right. it's, it's worth it. So right now, our site search, which is challenging in all in itself, mm -hmm. commercial's hot. Uh, Florida is tough. It's tough. Uh, construction's expensive. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of correction mm -hmm. at some point. Uh, not a big one, but we need, you know, we look for acre and a half, two acre pads. Um standalone buildings and like right at the front and when you drive around the best sites are usually the banks and i'm starting to see more and more of those go are up those, for sale. are they big enough yeah okay yeah like bank of america site sees they, they have some prime real estate so we've we've gotten innovative uh our jacksonville store is a good example we we took over on fridays that was closing mm -hmm. so now if you want the best sites you kind of fridays to, yeah okay so we're, we're kind of following these brands that are that might be struggling right and just you know getting in their ear mm -hmm. so that's uh that's where we're seeing the good sites now um the newer markets where it's ground up those are a little riskier but um there's a few of those opportunities throughout florida so right now we're focused on florida we have uh i think we just locked in a lease in michigan this week and right Is that now, a franchisee location? Yeah, we we also do area development. So okay. a gentleman bought the area rights to Michigan. Cool. In Colorado. And then we're working on Virginia now. So that's uh but my my focus is just is Florida and the real estate mm -hmm. side. So what's the strategy of you know, going out of state with no brand awareness? How do you guys help your franchisees or your area developers and really getting that brand out there in that area? So we are I'll tell you what 
And that's what's great about the group of guys that are involved in this. This is almost, I want to say it's like our last hurrah in a way. Mm -hmm. We've all been through different businesses and different levels. Mm -hmm. And um, the one thing that most franchises struggle with, especially as they're growing, is um, operational support. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they start thinking, I want store count, store count, store count. Um, So we're operations heavy. So the, the way we do it now, and we're always growing in that department, is... A store is going to open. We rent a house, well, at least a five-bedroom house, and operations lives there wow. for two months. So we will hold house for two months. So everybody be on site for at least the first three weeks, mm-hmm. three four weeks, and then it's less and less of them. So it's very operations heavy, and that's how we do it. So right now we're growing at the apartment because we're, we're in a situation that we're going to have multiple stores start opening. Right. Uh, so so, that's, so you guys plan to do that strategy even when you're hitting scale? And doing a lot of sites at once? Well, we want to be at the point where we have people in each market. Right. So with Michigan being as an area developer market, we want to establish a team that's just there. Okay. And it focuses on Michigan. Uh, Florida, since we're based out of Florida right now, we just use a Florida team, kind of jump them around. Right. But uh, it's one of those um, that we're just, we're growing with it. And we're trying to stay ahead of the growth mm-hmm. behind the scenes, of course, so that we support what's happening. For sure. It's franchisee support, and it's it's crucial. Yeah. Even corporate stores. I mean, that's you want to get the right GM in place, right management yeah. team, and you still got to oversee that. Corporate stores have to be even more perfect. Yeah. Because that's like a model store, you know? Yeah. yeah. So what what's an, who's an ideal franchisee or area developer? Who, you, who do you guys look for or seek out? So we look for, other than, you know, financials, of course, because this is a rather large investment. Right. It's, it's definitely experience in the sense of, and I, you know, I brought it up, it's leadership management. Um, somebody that has experience running a team, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need food experience. This is, you know, in business in general, like I said, I got into this not knowing anything about food. Right. So it's more of the management side. Now, the challenging part about that is you think you have the perfect person, but once you put them in that situation and then it doesn't work out or you think you have... Somebody that's not going to work out, and when they're in it, they're just rock stars. You never know until it starts. You never know, and that we've gone through that too. So I can't say there's a secret sauce or formula just yet, but Mm -hmm. it's more leadership management. I mean, that's that's the big part of it. And then, of course, uh, we can tell whether you're going to fit into the culture or not. Culture's... So is that, is that more of like an intuition and gut feeling? Like when you guys are interviewing a franchisee, yeah. you know, is that kind of just a, like your intuition or how do you know if someone's going to fit into your culture? So it's not, the process in itself is fairly long. Mm-hmm. So how do we know it's intuition's a part of it, but it's, yeah. it's exposing them to the, to one of the stores and spending time with them there multiple times. So over months, you're communicating, they're visiting, mm-hmm. and you start asking them what their thoughts are and what they see, and you could just you could just tell right. if they're going to work out or not or be a part of the culture. Uh, so culture is definitely key, especially when we're at this, this stage. For sure. Right at the beginning, really. Yeah. 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 So what would you say the biggest differentiator is? What make what's your guys' secret sauce or proprietary stuff? Is it is it the whole baked model, or is it more than just that? It's more than that. The big model, I think, is going to grow um, with other, you know, there's a gluten-free menu that you see in a lot of restaurants and a lot of the healthier options. Like even Hooters has it at this point. Right, right. Um, except ours is basically the whole menu it is healthy. Yeah. Um, uh, everything we do is in-house, our sauces. So I could say that we do have a unique product 
Mm-hmm. Um, we have, a, I feel that we have a unique experience, especially in that market where you have very few options for a family-friendly, healthy sports bar type place. Um, where it caters to everybody. We have like wine Wednesday nights. You have kidsy free night, mm-hmm. karaoke nights, live band. So it's a little bit of everything. Um, so I feel that uh, the experience alone differentiates us from the Buffaloes and the Hooters and the Millers. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know we're constantly evolving too. Right. And the key to this, and same with Tropical, you got to stay ahead of the game. For sure. Uh, so there's, there, there's every year. Things change. You perfect yeah. things um, down to right now, down to the building and how we build these things. And you see all these flat roofs. We're going pitch roof. Why is that? that? It's, a, it's first the longevity of the roof, and also there's cost savings in that. But right now, all the architects and mechanical engineers are dead set on flat because it's it spit them out. It's easy. Right. It's what they know. But you challenge them, they realize, oh, there's other options that are actually better. Yeah. that are unique. So we want to be unique. And does that help with the build-out costs for the franchisee? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our value engineering is unlike anything uh, that's been seen out there because we're bringing... The good thing about not having a commercial restaurant building experience is mm-hmm. you come in... Well, residential, we have residential. You come in and you start asking the questions that nobody's ever asked. It's like, well, we do this. Why do you do it like that? Right. And they're like, well, it's the way it's always been done. When you start challenging them, then they start realizing we can do it that way. So it's been about 12 months of value engineering, bringing the cost down basically in half for these buildings. So I think that's going to be, it'll make it easier for franchisees to come in basically on a full service standalone restaurant. For sure. Have you guys considered doing a QSR model or is that going to be all FSR? So funny you bring that up. Um, we started more as a QSR. Really? And yeah, it started as a smaller walk-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we have been doing and are doing and uh, is that we are actively in the process of purchasing QSR concepts that are in growth mode. And so we will have, I want to say we're looking to be the Dardens of the group, but we'll have uh, other QSRs that will fit with this one, basically put them next door to each other. Uh, so there's there's multiple ones that we're working on right now. I can't disclose it yet, but when we do, yeah. I'll come back. There's and I'll a tell few, you. though. Yeah, there's a few. That, you said it's a QSR. That a QSR okay, concept, right. yeah. Yeah. So so we're gonna we'll have that under our umbrella, and we could basically put them all on site. That's cool. But Island Wing, the only it, it'll evolve to where we have some uh, at the beach. So we'll have a smaller three thousand footprint. Mm-hmm. On the beach, a walk up maybe with a patio on top, and then we're also yeah. looking to put some in, uh, you know, by marinas so you could pull up a boat, right? Because it's more of that feel, yeah, yeah, for sure. I just look at it because I know FSR, FSR, I think was down two percent last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know, don't quote me on that exact number. And I know QSR was like the opposite, it was up a couple percent or some somewhere in that area. So I'm always just curious what, what FSR, you know, what brands, what their thought process is of doing a little bit of both or. You know what their yeah. strategy is moving forward because people just want quick food, easily and convenient. But again, you kind of touched on the experience and and all of that, which I think is super important. And I, you know, for me on the outside looking in it, I think the the no f words and the not having fryers in there is is the true differentiator to anything else out there. From yeah. what you guys are doing, I really like that concept. Um, in a lot of ways, it feels like you know, kind of feels like tropical smoothie, right? You talk yeah. about the culture and then. 
the feel-good type of food yeah. where it's not necessarily the healthiest food in the world, but it's better than what's out there. And it's, right. uh, it's a food that's perceived as healthier and has a lot more benefits and that you can go there and eat and not feel like crap afterwards. Right, yeah. You and, that's what, and that's what I experienced when I went there and ate with you. It was like I tried the, the, the buffalo baked cauliflower and mm-hmm. then the baked wings. And the nice thing is – and I read the one article I think you posted. I think you said it was it, – the article said it's like 60 to 70% less fat and calories mm-hmm. in your guys' baked wings compared to a fried wing. Yeah. Which is a huge difference. Yeah, and the challenging part is keeping it crispy. So we have that down to a science. I can't amazing. disclose how we do all that. Yeah, yeah. Man, <laughs> down to the fries. That's but, amazing. And that's, you know, QSRs are, and banks are lending more to QSRs mm-hmm. now than they are full service. And yeah, full service was down last year, except for a few brands, which were surprised. Because uh, the ones you would expect to be doing better did worse and this right. Few older brands did better, um, but it's about the experience, and that's people still want at some point want to go out and experience something. So that's yeah. why we focus on that so much because we don't want to be just another restaurant you walk in and right. eat and walk out of. So I think that's another differentiator with how we uh, we run it, and that's why culture is important because you got to embrace that for sure. Yeah. What is the best way for someone to get in touch with you guys if they're interested in franchising? So our, the easiest way is our website, islandwing.com, right there. Just hit the franchise link, and that sends your information directly to the CEO and us. Okay. So we're a small corporate team right now at the top, and so we look at we you know, we look at every lead, and we we start the communication process. But like I said, since we're perfecting it, it's more about just keeping them in tune with what we're doing, mm-hmm. and then ultimately seeing if they'll be the right fit and where. Perfect. Perfect. And what was the website name again? Islandwing.com. Islandwing.com. Yeah. Awesome. Singular. Singular. Perfect. Is there any last thoughts you want to discuss or talk about with Island Wing? You know, um, I would say that this is a brand that is going to disrupt the industry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's always things that come about that start causing change, I guess you'd say. And I think that other concepts, like, we'll pick up and we'll kind of follow. I mean, tr- like, Tropical wasn't the first smoothie shop. Of course. Yeah. But they've now taken the lead because they've taken it and perfected it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, same with our concept. is We are one of the first to do it full service and all baked. So, we're expecting people to kind of follow. And so, you know, we're going to not only disrupt the industry, but you know, our plan is to continue to be a leader in it. And that's why we're in this aggressive expansion mode. I mean, we're mm-hmm. heavily capitalized, so we're ready to do it. We got everybody in place to do it. And like I said, this is our one big last hurrah. So we're going to work and work and grow, and you'll see it everywhere. And it'll be a, a name that everybody knows when they want to take their kids. I, I will say, besides, you know, along the lines of the experience, it's hard to find a place where you can go where you can sit 20 people or 30 people. Yeah. So we have cabana rooms that will seat 30 people. Oh, wow. You know, or tables that'll seat 16. So that's another thing that, uh, you know, Sundays people are looking for a place to take their whole family. Mm-hmm. So we made sure that we have ample seating. So we're looking at the little details. For sure. And perfecting it um, down to if you need, you know, you're, at, you're at your table and you need service, you put up, a, we have a flag, you put it up, any service sees it, they're going to come. Oh, that's cool. So service is important too. That's yeah, that's awesome. Little details. We were at, um, we were at a restaurant in Universal. Mm-hmm. And it took forever to get water. And we're like, man, all that time it took water. It was the worst. Yeah, yeah. Because now, it, you know, 
I lost beer time and then I lost food time. So then that's where we said, you know, we're just going to pop a craft out there, plastic bottles, and start taking orders. So yeah. it's efficiency. Have you seen the, the beer taps that are, are you familiar with Walk-Ons? Yeah. I went to there in Fort Lauderdale a couple a few weeks back and I really like their system where they have, you know, they charge by the ounce with the beer tap. Have you guys seen that or looked at that? Yeah, like that? I've seen that. Yeah. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. So the nice thing is the way I look at it is customers are going to be able to spend more, drink more, mm-hmm. You know, rather than waiting for a bartender or a waiter or a waitress. Exactly. Um, and then also, I looked at it as there's less waste. Like, they're literally paying for the foam. Yeah. <laughs> because you're paying by the ounce versus yeah. where if a bartender's pouring a drink, that a lot of that's going down in waste. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was pretty interesting. So, yeah, so that's some cool, innovative stuff coming out. Yeah. Um, and we'll leave with one last point is mm-hmm. the minimum wage situation. Yeah. That's the scariest part. For sure. What's happening. I think people don't realize the consequence of that. Yeah. And 100%. right now, the only way to, there's two ways that small businesses can combat this. Because I don't think people realize the small margins. They think that you own a business you're making. Yeah. Now, sometimes your GM's making more money than you. 100%. Right? So the, the two things that'll <laughs> affect one, uh, less people will be employed. So you're talking unemployment's going to go up. Mm-hmm. Because if you guys go to some of these restaurants, see these tablets. They're, those tablets are basically human replacements. Kiosks, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So they're they you know they're, they're perfecting that system to where you basically order from there and there's one server in charge the host. on the table. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the model I really like. That's yeah, yeah. and that's the direction that's all going in. In case you know if and I'm assuming it might actually pass. Um, so that's one thing, and then the other thing is we're all going to raise our prices. Hundred percent. So it's it's all going to have to. You're out of business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they see what happened, no matter It just West makes Coast. the value of the dollar good. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't really, you know. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Being a part of franchise, the franchising system in general mm-hmm. is uh, you're all united. You lobby. You're involved with your local politicians. It's so important uh, to have a voice. So that's why we encourage people to become franchisees in whatever industry and mm-hmm. join together. And, and you know, because small business is really what supports this nation. 100%. Yeah. That's a very good point. The last two questions before we wrap up here. Um, first one, is there anyone that you think would be a great guest for this show in the future that you'd love to see on the, sh- on the, on the Franchisees United? Would it somebody I know? Or anyone in the franchise industry, whether you know them or know of them, somebody that you think would be a great guest for the show? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can, you know, the, the, the gosh, the founder of Tropical Smoothie and the guys that started out on the wing for sure would mm-hmm. be great guests on the show because they have... They have some stories. I mean, successes and failures. Yeah, we'd love to have them on. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that for sure. Um, and until every day you meet people, and yeah, I could write a list of people, but yeah, yeah, just, uh, I'll submit that. Okay. <laughs> no time. worries. Yeah, and yeah. blanking out on the last question here. What's the question? I always wrap it up with. I don't know. Brandon didn't put it on the sheet. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty much it. Um, Jenny, again, appreciate you coming on the show today and uh, obviously traveling down here and taking the time out of your day. I appreciate it. Um, for any listeners, Island it's islandwing.com. Yeah. Islandwing.com if you want to check out the brand um, or, you know, inquire about being becoming a franchise owner. Thanks, guys, for listening to the Franchisees United podcast. Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook at Franchisees United.